0: some of us are slow learners, slow learners. Um, I'm not pointing any fingers. In fact, I'm trying not to make any eye contact with anybody right now. Uh, So this last weekend, we were in Santa Cruz and my my son Caleb, uh, uh, he was telling me his new love for the beach. And I grew up, I grew up on the beach, uh, Santa Barbara. And yet, uh, for those, of, how many of you are surfers? Surfers, have ever surfed? So uh, some of you are, don't want to admit it, right? You don't want to admit it. but like, So uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara, I've been in the water a ton, a ton. Uh, there really aren't waves in Santa Barbara. They're kind of protected from the Channel Islands. And so uh, there's not these huge surf. It's not really a huge surf town. It's more of a beach town but santa cruz is a surf town uh and so my son goes up there and he says dad it's super fun you go out there and uh, you just get wrecked you get wrecked and so he's learning all this new lingo and shacked and wrecked and rad yeah we used that a long time ago anyways but um anyways he said let's go to the beach and so we went to the beach and him and uh, my son dan went out and they just they they were just getting cracked by the waves. They, you know, they weren't trying to surf or anything. They were just out there seeing how far the waves could throw them and stuff like that. And so it was very entertaining, very entertaining. Um, but anyways, the next day at church, I was talking to some kids and I, I said, you know, uh, yeah, I saw I saw Caleb and Dan out there and they were just getting thrashed by the waves and just one right after the other. And he says, oh yeah, caught inside. And I go. It was one of those conversations where I had something to say and then I stopped and I go, what would you just say right there? He goes, caught inside. And I, I said, what does that mean? And he says, well, caught inside means that you're you're stuck in that area. You can't get out past the waves. Uh, and you're not on the shore. You're right on the inside where it's just pounding wave after wave after wave in water." And I go, yeah, that's it. And, and I... I thought to myself later, I go, how did I not get that term? I'm sure they've used it for a while, this idea of being caught inside. And what it made me think of is you all. <laughs> My life as well. Sometimes we get in those those places where you're like, I just feel like I'm getting pounded wave after wave. And the problem with being caught inside, right? For those of you who have, you, you now have a term for what life has been like for you. Uh, you you get knocked by one wave and you can't find, you know, you, when you finally find up, right? The next wave comes, knocks you down again and knocks you down again, knocks you down again. And as I look at the scriptures, especially in the book of Ecclesiastes, I thought, what a great picture uh, for what we're struggling with trying to find meaning in a life that seems meaningless, trying to find purpose and uh, that which is eternal in the midst of things that are temporal. And so uh, I want to start out, for those of you who are caught inside, uh, we are talking this morning about those things that we can enjoy and will find joy in this life right now. If you turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, If you were here two weeks ago, I already preached this message, um, but you've forgotten it already, so I'm going to do it again. No, I only got halfway through, and so I I stopped and I said, I got to get to this stuff. Anyways, I will review for those of you who weren't here um, and go through God's Word. Such an important passage for us here today. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad I'm here today to to go over this passage. Uh, I hope that it's uh, beneficial for your own soul. Uh, as you seek to find meaning in this life, if you'd stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read to you uh, Ecclesiastes chapter nine, starting in verse seven. And God's word says this, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be white God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, We ask that you would instruct our hearts and heal our hearts. Um, God, some of us have lived a life of frustration uh, because we've been doing it wrong. And God, I ask that you would free us from our own bad choices and help us to walk with you. God, thank you for your guidance. Thank you for this life and the joy that can be found in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So context of the book, what we've already talked about. uh, When things aren't right, and really the last passage and passages have, have brought it to death, really to when things aren't right and that the end for all, whether you're righteous or unrighteous, is death. Nobody escapes. uh, It's not just that the good die young or the bad die young, the bad die because of what they have done. It's neither of those things that all die. When death awaits um, and life may not seem worth it, Uh, when you come to grips with the fact that everyone's going to die, sometimes you say, well, what makes this day and what I'm doing worth it? Uh, it's in light of those things that we come to our passage this morning. If you are here two weeks ago, I, I had four things to enjoy, and I'll go through them uh, quickly. And then I, I want to go through a list from the passage of things that steal our joy. OK, the first thing to enjoy, verse seven, is this, enjoy your meal, enjoy your meal. It speaks of uh, going, eating bread, and drinking wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Uh, this idea of a meal, both food and drink, uh, comes up over and over again. And it's a very fascinating thing because a meal is nothing. How many meals have you eaten? Is a lot, right? A lot. Uh, what was your best meal that you've ever eaten? You may be able to pick that out, but what was your hundredth best meal that you've eaten? Right? Was it this breakfast this morning? Or was it yesterday for lunch? Like, like what is it? It's just a temporal, uh, simple thing. And yet he says, he says to eat and to drink this picture of this simple, really almost breathing of life to do this with joy and a merry heart. To find joy in the simplicity of just a meal. To find joy in what you're eating and, and that idea that, that just a simple meal. And, and how to do that, he says, because it's, it's already been approved by God. It's already been approved by God. And you can go back to verse 1 in the chapter and see that he's speaking of the one who is righteous. The one who is righteous. Well, the one who's fallen after God. The one who's doing what God wants you to do. The life that you're you're checking in with God for every step that you make. Everything that you're doing. When you're taking a step, you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? That's what righteous living is. It's you're not making it up as you go. You're looking and checking in with God and saying, God, what do you have for my life? And he says this, it's already approved by God as you walk in righteousness, as you walk uh, in doing what God wants you to do, you can enjoy and you should enjoy a meal. This is where God wants you, is this idea that even in the simplicity of life, that you can be able to enjoy a meal. Once again, I talked two weeks ago, in excess of these things you will not enjoy. To eat too much or to... uh, drink and become drunk, it will not be good for you. It's not approved by God. In fact, these excesses in any of these areas will leave you empty and hurting. He moves on in the, uh, the passage to verse 8, and he speaks of your clothing, really your appearance. And uh, the second point I had two weeks ago was just enjoy getting dressed up that we're not meant to drag through life and our appearance is not meant to reflect that. Do the best, you know, put on your nicest clothes, take a shower, do something with your hair if you have any. Uh, Pot calling the kettle black, you know. Uh, We look at these things, this idea of enjoy getting dressed up, enjoy this picture of of not being left and, Uh, slobbish and saying it doesn't matter my appearance and many times the appearance is reflective of who we're trying to portray and what we're trying to do and he says enjoy getting dressed up and then he moves on in verse 9 and he says enjoy life with the wife whom you love and I'll just say this enjoy your wife enjoy your wife or enjoy your husband enjoy your husband um some of you are waiting for the butt here, right? <laughs> Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your spouse. Um, we'll, we'll get to back to this in a moment. But as God has blessed you with a husband or a wife, she's for you. He's for you. He, they're meant to be a partner in life. They're meant to be a partner in life. They're not perfect in life right uh we're gonna have sure in a time of uh people are gonna stand up and give testimony of what's wrong with their husband it's gonna be a long service it's gonna be a long service you know and then when we get done the next week we're gonna say uh, uh tell me bad things about your wife shorter service but also very long uh just because we can't remember much um this picture here is this, that as God has blessed you with the partner to enjoy them, to love them, both physically and that's partnership of life, that this is what God has blessed you with. And then he goes on to say, by the way, he says, uh, it's just a startling verse, a startling verse, verse nine. Enjoy life with a wife whom you love, All the days of your vain life. Isn't that startling? Like it it was it was a Hallmark card for a while, right there, you know. Uh, But Hallmark doesn't say your vain life, right? Your insignificant, fleeting, empty life. He says, Enjoy your wife, love your wife, love your spouse. And he once again, he says portion. He uses this word portion, this idea of God's blessing or his lot for you. And once again, he says this idea of toil, in the midst of toil, in the midst of life's work for you, the hard labor of work. He says this is what he's given you, a wife, a spouse to share with. And then lastly, to enjoy your work. Verse 10 Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for, this, uh, for there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, or the depths, the idea of the grave to which you are going. And the picture there is, uh, enjoy your work today, right? Because there's a day where you, you won't be able to work anymore. It's interesting. Uh, some who are retired and older, uh, they they sit around and because they can't work anymore. And they they dream of the days where I used to be able to do this and I used to be able to do that. And I I remember when I can do that and you can't do it anymore. And it's funny uh, that young men, 20s, 30s, they go, ah, I don't want to go to work today. (laughs) I don't want to go do that. I don't want to go. Like there's a list of things they don't want to do. And the point is, Enjoy your work today because it won't be forever. There will be an end, even probably an end on, in this life, but definitely an end in the grave. There's a shelf life to work. So enjoy your work. So now we come to what steals your joy. and I, I want to really focus on this this morning, this idea of what steals your joy. We're called to enjoy in the book of Ecclesiastes, but uh, it's not that easy sometimes. Uh, I was looking at the door here, and as people were coming in, uh, I feel like we have a pretty joyful church, but I didn't hear a lot of like, yeah, it's great. Life is awesome. Everything's perfect. You know, I enjoy the day. I enjoyed yesterday. You know, sometimes we struggle, right? And so I want to focus this morning uh, what steals our joy under the sun, right? We're talking under the sun down here. Uh, what steals our joy? If that's not clear enough for you, what sucks the joy out of the room for you, <laughs> right? That idea that it's just kind of like a vacuum. You you want to be joyful, and you feel like someone's just sucking the life, the joy out of you as you come. And so I, I have uh, eight of them. I. I don't like to have the number eight. I just don't like the number eight. I like like one, three, seven, and ten, but I don't like eight. It, it, it's, nothing, it's It's my own issues. I know. Uh, here we go. Number one: the first one is living with guilt, living with guilt things that will suck the joy out of your life, living with guilt instead of righteousness, instead of righteousness, living with guilt. And the picture here is this. If you go back to verse 1 in this passage, it talks about the righteous life, the righteous life. And I want to tell you that if you're not seeking to walk with God in this life, you will be guilty. You will feel guilty you the the things that you do you, you know you know it's interesting about uh most of us like to do what, whatever we want to do without consequences or whatever we just like to do we don't like to think about it we just like we're just gonna go for it and who cares what it matters what what matters in this life the problem with that is most of the time that kind of living is sinful right and so you can go, and 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 sin is satisfying for a moment. Probably not the right word, right? It's fun for a moment. There's a taste that's good for a moment, right? And the problem with sin is it doesn't taste very good long term. And what happens is this, that if we're not seeking to, to walk in righteousness, checking in with God, the minute we sit down the minute the 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 party's over we're left in our sin which brings about guilt that sucks the joy out of your life and of mine living in guilt instead of righteousness will not be the life approved by god approved by god you know uh your sins will weigh you down right Let's say it this way: that that guilt will poison every well, will poison every well. It will ruin every meal. It will ruin uh, the the atmosphere in your household. It will it will cause you to stay awake at night. And I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Some of you are saying, "Well, I've tried to walk in righteousness, but I made some mistakes and I failed." And the, this is the point of Jesus, right? Jesus went to the cross. Not that we would have a righteousness of our own, but that we would have a righteousness that's found in Him and forgiveness and cleansing from the guilty things that we have done. You know, uh, everyone everyone likes to talk these days about unreasonable guilt and like, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. You you know what? Uh, We should feel guilty much more guilty than we do there's plenty of things that we do that we haven't even thought of right but the point of righteousness of seeking to please god and forgiveness that's found in jesus brings us joy brings us joy and i want to tell you your guilt will bring you down it will ruin you and so uh as guilt poisons every well, confession to God, forgiveness from Jesus because of what Jesus do, has done, and you walking in obedience with your Father will bring freedom. Bring freedom. Number two, uh, things that will suck joy from your life, um, will ruin that for you under the sun, is that forgetting that God is your provider, planner, and God overall. Forgetting that God is your provider, planner, and God overall. I have a plan. I have a plan. Maybe some of you have said this before. I have a plan. I have a schedule for this week. I know where we're going. This is what we're going to do. God, let me tell you my plan. Let me tell you what's going to happen here. Let me tell you where I'm going to live and how I'm going to live. Let me tell you about my kids, how many kids I'm going to have, what they're going to be doing, what they're going to grow up to be. Let me tell you about where I want to see this going and what job I'm going to have. Let me, let me tell you about this, God. And you, God, could you just make all this stuff happen, these plans that I have? It's not the way this goes. Ecclesiastes could be known as just a book of the disappointments of life right the plans of man that didn't go so well but but for us what will what will kill our joy is that when we forget that God is our provider planner and God overall sometimes we tell god i have another plan sometimes we tell god i have a better idea than your plan god and as we look at this we forget That even as he speaks of the wife, he says, this is your portion. This is your portion. If we could just remember when it comes to our wife, our children, our job, our situation, our health, all these things, if we can remember as we experience them daily to say this, this is our portion. This is what God has provided for me today. This is where He has me today. It may be totally different tomorrow. It may change. But this is what He has for me today. And He is my planner provider. He is the one, my God overall. That was number two, forgetting. Number three, waiting for joy to hit you instead of living and instead, waiting for joy to hit you, but instead uh, living a life of ingratitude. Ugh. Ruin your joy. Um, sometimes we sit there at the uh, breakfast table or or we lay there in our bed and we say, I'm ready to be joyful. God knocked me out of bed with joy this morning. Instead of saying, this should be my pursuit. And and guess what? In that vacuum of of waiting for joy to come, guess what slips in most every time? In gratitude. Complaining. you have anything you can complain about today? Do you think you can think of one or two things that you could complain about today? It's funny how complaining is like something that comes to us very quickly. We don't even have to be thinking. It just Fills our mind, and then it comes out through our mouth. And then uh, if we encourage our brother or sister around us, they can start complaining too, right? And we can just spread to be a complaining church. We can do it in the fellowship hall after over some nice snacks. Um, I want to tell you that ingratitude, ingratitude, it, 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 you know, it's like it, it wipes out joy. It wipes out joy. And if we wait for God to hit us with joy, He will sometimes. But for us to think of ourselves as pursuers of joy, we're looking for it. We're seeking after it. Number four. Uh, One of the things that will ruin joy for you is thinking that you and your life are supremely important. Thinking that you and your life are supremely important as you look at this this book the book of ecclesiastes that we're looking at chances are it was solomon and solomon was known as number 1 number 1 all the time richest man wisest man king just uh most wives and girlfriends number 1 right he he was known to be number one, right? That, that, you know, he, he wore the shirt number one and they, you know, they go, yeah, there he is. Everyone else had to have two or some larger number, you know. And he, he, they knew, it wasn't just bragging, it was true. He had it all. He had it all. And yet you look throughout this book and the word that comes up, vanity, fleeting, meaningless, things that are passing over and over again. Uh, I want to tell you what will suck joy from your life uh, so quickly is this idea that you and your life are supremely important. Um, I'm not going to look for a show of hands, but uh, did any of you speed on the freeway? Did, did any of you get... I, I realize this is kind of touchy talking about this. Because we live in Tehachapi and some of us go to Bakersfield. And why are those trucks on the road going so slow? It's like, you know, it's like snail races up the hill, right? And I got things to do. I'm super important. And you start getting agitated, right? You start getting agitated and you're like, I I got some place to be. Because if I'm not there, the world's going to end. The world's going to end. You think about uh, the stress and over, you, you know, sometimes we talk about, I'm so stressed out right now. I'm so overwhelmed. And you say, well, why? And you say, well, I didn't wash my car this week. Oh, okay. Or I, I'm going to be late to work. If, by the way, if uh, if you're stressed out because you're going to be late to work, chances are you're late to work every day, right? Uh, you probably it's something normal, Right. <laughs> Uh, because if it's not something normal, it's not that big of a deal, right? And, and this idea that, that we somehow have some place to be that's so important. Or, or that we are like, like, we have something to do. And if it doesn't get done, the world is going to fold up. And everyone's going to die. As I look at this passage... I consider my own life and what stresses me out, what overwhelms me, uh, what things that I I take upon myself that I feel the whole world hinges on. And in verse 9, it says this, it it tells me to enjoy my wife of 25 years. I've been married 25 years and five days, five five days, yes, six, six today. We'll say six. Um, uh, It says to enjoy my wife. But, by, by the way, by the way, I want to talk about marriage here for a moment because i 'm an expert now twenty five years uh, uh, how, how does your stress how does your stress and you being overwhelmed and the the grouchiness that comes with it and the shortness, how does that affect your marriage? How does that affect your spouse that's tough, isn't it? Got so many important things we need to do. My life is so important. But it, but it says this it says this in God's Word. It says, Love your wife, love your wife in your vain life. The, the, this is such a subtle and hard point for us to get is this that we're not that important. We're not that important. Some of you say, Well, yes, I am. You live in Tehachapi, I just want to remind you, okay? It knocks us down to size, right? You know, people say, you you call somebody up and you say, I want to speak to somebody. Oh, yeah, who who is this? This is Kevin. Kevin who? Kevin Bosler. Like like they're supposed to know who that, like Bosler with a B. Uh, uh, Yes, where where do you live, sir? Uh, Tehachapi. I'm sorry, sir. What, What was that? Can you spell it? That's down by Riverside, right? No! It's a beautiful place of four seasons. Never heard of it. I live in Bear Valley Springs. Yeah, They don't even know. I want to tell you, our lives are insignificant. Our lives are insignificant. And that's not bad. That's not bad. In fact, it would help us. It would help us. To not become so stressed out and uh, to stress out our families and. Uh, to be uh, more pleasant and enjoy life more is to remember that this life is vain. It matters, this life matters, but it doesn't matter as much as you think it does. And it's not worth, it's not worth losing your joy of the moments of this day. It's critical stuff for us, thinking that you and your life would be supremely important. Uh, it'll suck the joy out of your life. Number five. Number five, being lazy with the work that God has given you to do. So counterintuitive, it seems like the complete opposite, right? You say, well, uh, I need more joy in my life. I need to go to Mexico. I need to have a bigger house. I need to have uh, a, a fan or air conditioning. Like, right, you know, uh, these are the things that I need to be happy. I need a better car. I need a a, a better, you know, job. I need, I need something better uh, that will make life easy for me. I just need an easier life. If I have an easier life, then I can be joyful. I want to tell you, uh, there are days for rest. There are days for rest. But it should not be your profession. Not be your profession. God's given you something to do. In fact, it says, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. For our youth ministry, um, best week of the year. Best week of the year. You're you're wondering what that is. Maybe some of you know already. Best week of the year. Favorite trip if they'll ever go on. When When you get older, And you look back to the youth ministry, you say, well, I liked it all, but like this was my favorite week in Mexico, week in Mexico. Uh, It's fascinating to me. Why is that? Well, because you get to work. You get to stay up late. You're tired. You're smelly. And you say, well, what's the good part of this so far? I'm I'm just saying, there's a thrill to it. What is it? It's a thrill of going for it going for it, of giving your heart to something, of working with and doing something that that's before you. Uh, Most of you who are older understand this, right? You you realize the thrill uh, of accomplishing something, of giving your all. And even if it was frustrating in the end, being able to accomplish it. I want to tell you that God hasn't um, made this life for rest. That's the next life, right? Rest after the work. And so we look at this. We realize that what will suck the life out of us is being lazy. Number six. Three more. Number six. This will suck the life out of your life is wanting a wife other than the one you have. Wanting a wife other than the one you have. Or... For those of you who are, have a husband, the same thing. Sometimes we, uh, Major uh, major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, football, you know, this idea of trading. My team isn't doing well, so I need to trade for somebody. I need to trade up. My team's not winning. So there's something wrong with my team, so I need to trade one of the players. So when you think about this, like in your marriage right now, you say, well, for me to be joyful, I need to trade one of my players and I only have one other one and I'm not going to trade myself, right? So I'm going to trade them. I'm going to trade them. If I just got a different wife, if I just got a different husband, life would change. I want to tell you, that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches that we would learn to appreciate and that we would learn to love and that we would learn to partner with the partner that God has given us. I want to tell you that wanting another wife or wanting another husband to think that they are the problem is wrong. It's wrong. It's a lack of perspective in your own mind. But to see that that wife, that husband that God has given you, it's God's gift to you. And to praise Him for the things that are good in them. Look for them, find them. It's easy to find the the problems, right? The imperfections, it's easy. Number seven. Thinking that things need to change or stay the same before I can be joyful. To talk to God and say, God, uh, I will be joyful immediately, immediately when you do this, when you do this. Or I will be happy, God. I will be joyful. I will appreciate who you are and what you've done if you let me have the life that I've set up. I want to tell you, that will be frustrating for you because, you know, I've met a lot of people, I met a lot of people. And and none of them, none of them get to have their plan in life. None of them. In fact, God is always doing something different and better uh, than we can imagine. So to think that uh, things need to change or stay the same before I can be joyful, I want to tell you that will frustrate your life because you will always be potentially joyful, but never really be there. Lastly, uh, what will suck the joy out of our lives is this, that when we believe that life's temporary and fleeting things will be eternally meaningful. When we believe that those things in life that are fleeting and temporary would be eternally meaningful. It's the great rip-off, right? It's the elixir in a bottle sold by a, a traveling salesman. I looked up the whole snake oil salesman. It's pretty interesting. You want to check it out. I don't, I don't have time to unpack it this morning. But this idea that says here, this will solve all the cures of your life. That this... Uh, aspirin, or this uh, thing, or this possession, or, or this step in life. This will change your life forever. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us over and over and over and over and over again, it tells us that this life is temporary. And so when we invest in an eternal way into temporary things, it's the great ripoff You bought the marketing. You're frustrated. You come home and you say, this didn't do what they said it would. And it will suck the joy out of your life. You've been sold a lie. That there's something out there that will make life eternally meaningful for you. Other than the one who created you. This morning, I just want to end up by saying this, that we should seek to find joy in this meaningless life, but trusting in Jesus Christ, Him and Him alone. And what do we trust in Him for? For saving our souls, for making us righteous, to cleansing us of our guilt, and for fitting us for heaven, when He will take uh, and bring to end the temporary, fleeting things of this life and will take us into life eternal with Him forever. This is why we're here. To see the things of this life as just things of this life and to be ready and fit for heaven, cleansed from every sin we've committed. This is what our church is about. I hope this is encouraging to you. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being with your people, uh, hearing from you, from your word. God, I ask that you would take this time and uh, mark our hearts with it. Make it something permanent in us. God, we're so forgetful. We get sucked into the joyless living of this meaningless life. And God, this is not your intention. God, help us. May we be a church of joy that comes from you. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for-